So I spent uh, extra time on the title this week. <laughs> Usually they fill up the whole screen, right? But Easter really tells its own story, and the music and the, uh, the readings, and it doesn't really even need a sermon, but uh, we put one in, kind of an explanation, help out a little bit. You know, tomorrow will be the uh, 116th anniversary of the great earthquake that leveled San Francisco back in 1906. It was so huge and so devastating, people are still talking about it even today, all these years later. At 5.12 a.m. on April 18th, a foreshock hit the city by the bay, and then 20 seconds later, the big one struck. This entire city was rocked. Chimneys fell, walls caved in, uh, the asphalt covering the street buckled up and piled up, and, and the uh, gas lines were severed. Uh, people, many of the people, didn't even have a chance to get out of bed before they were killed by falling debris. The earthquake lasted between 50 and 60 seconds. That's a long time for an earthquake to last, isn't it? Must have seemed like forever. Almost immediately, of course, fires broke out across the city, some of them from broken gas lines, others from stoves that had overturned. With water mains having snapped uh, as well, the fires quickly spread. They raged out of control for four days. The aftermath left more than half the city's population homeless. Half the city. 28,000 buildings were destroyed, and as many as 3,000 people were killed. It ranks as one of the greatest disasters in U.S. history. But as powerful as it was, it can't hold a seismic needle to the events surrounding the great quake of what was probably aught 30 or aught 33 A.D., uh, just outside Jerusalem, really 0033, uh, 1,989 years ago today. One of the songs made a reference to the ground shaking, thereabouts anyway. Matthew's Gospel is the one that reports it, and he gives us more details. He says, there was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. That Sunday morning earthquake sort of bookends the one that shook the world at the moment of Jesus' Good Friday death, doesn't it? He'd already risen. No stone crypt could keep Jesus in any more than glass can prevent sunlight from, from passing through. Just like he would suddenly appear to his disciples that Easter evening when they were together, huddled together in a locked room. Jesus just appeared to them. The stone wasn't rolled back to let Jesus out either. The stone was rolled away so that the women and his followers could look in and see it empty. It was an unforgettable moment. Maybe you've seen the cartoon of those two Roman soldiers standing by the empty tomb. The stone had been rolled away, and one soldier was looking pretty worried, worried, worried because you know, they'd failed in their responsibilities. But the other soldier, he just shrugged and said, you know, don't worry about it. A hundred years from now, no one will remember. But 100 years went by and people did still remember, right? And 200. And now nearly 2,000 years ago, later, God's people still gather and we still remember. And if the Lord Jesus doesn't come back for another 2,000 years, people will still be gathering and remembering because Jesus is alive. And you just, just don't forget something like that. We don't have a record of damages on that one, but we know its effects have been felt from one end of the earth to the other. Uh, and that it continues to rattle lives even today. This shaker isn't remembered for the buildings it destroyed, but rather the destruction of three of the most powerful influences in our lives today. Sin, death, and the power of the devil. Sin, death, and the power of the devil. That's a phrase we toss around a lot in church. 
But how exactly does it work and why is it, or even Easter for that matter, such a big deal? Well, look at another verse, uh, text from Hebrews chapter 2, where the writer says, Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, Jesus also became flesh and blood by being born in human form. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil, who had the power of death. Only in this way could he deliver those who have lived all their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. We all know that Jesus came to help the descendants of Abraham, not to help the angels. Therefore, it was necessary for Jesus to be in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. He then could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and temptation, he is able to help us when we are being tempted. Let's unpack that because that's really the essence of Easter. In another 50 years or so, uh, most of us will probably be dead. 25 after, years after that, that's going to really thin out the herd. Some of us won't be here probably next year. Just a fact of life. Statistic, not scripture. Scripture says you'll all be somewhere else. That's where Easter comes in. That's why this day is so special. Frankly, most people aren't really comfortable talking about their own deaths. A lot of people aren't comfortable talking about death at all, and some people don't even want to go anywhere near a hospital. But if death is just checking out, slipping into unconsciousness, and then nothing, you know, that sleep will never wake up from, it's going to be a pretty sad farewell. Every pleasure we've ever known has been centered around the things of life, family, uh, friends, work, leisure, food, music, and the thought of losing all the good things we know for the prospect of gaining things we can only know by faith, well, uh, death can sometimes be a little frightening. And the power of the devil is to make us afraid because the fear of dying can destroy your life, can rob your peace if there was no Easter. And if we're created in the image of God like the Bible teaches, and if he's holy and just and worthy of our love and devotion, just like the Bible teaches. Then he's justified in being angry over our sins. And we've all sinned. We've all demonstrated at one time or another our blatant disregard for his guidelines, our indifference and distrust and preference for other things. You see, either way, when the Bible says we're enslaved by sin and death, it knows what it's talking about. But God's own word tells us something else about him, that he's a God of love. And it says that he wants everyone to be saved, to spend eternity with him in heaven. And so he did something about it, not because he owed us or because we deserved it, but out of love, unconditional love. The reading from Hebrew began, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, Jesus also became flesh and blood by being born in human form. The story of Jesus is the story of our salvation, a story of how he became one of us so that our fear of death might be taken away. Now, Jesus wasn't always flesh and blood. He was always, he's eternal, uh, but he was spirit before that first Christmas. The Gospel of John says that he was their creation and that nothing was created without him. It was because the, the children he loved and wanted to save were human that he took on that same human nature. Jesus was true God and would always be true God, but he became also true man, born of Mary. And one of the reasons he did this was so that he could die. Seriously. 
The women headed to the empty tomb early on Easter Sunday morning had no illusions of finding any life there. They weren't expecting to find anything new. They'd seen death before. They'd returned to the tombs many times uh, on behalf of many of their friends and family members, always finding the same thing, that the cemetery wasn't a place of life, and those who were laid among those rocks were always dead, cold and lifeless. And that's why they came with spices that morning. You didn't bring those unless you were expecting to find death among the, the stone tombs. Jewish Barrow writes at the time, uh, men anointing the dead body with spices to hasten decomposition and kind of cut down or cut back or cover the, the smell. Um, and then a year later, they would come back and collect the bones that were left and put them in a, a stone box called an ossuary. And that fit in, the, in a niche at the back of the tomb. That way that same tomb could be used over and over for the same purpose. But that morning they came to anoint the body of the one they'd hoped would bring new life to a world that so desperately wanted it. If, when Jesus of Nazareth had been with them, they felt like anything was possible. They'd seen people healed from disease. They'd seen demons cast out with just a word. They'd even seen the dead brought back to life. They'd heard him talk about the kingdom of God, which sounded to them like a whole new world sustaining a different kind of life than the one they were used to. A world where the first would be last and the last first. A world where violence and pain would be no more. A world where brokenness and, and, and sins of the past are forgiven, where everything and everyone is made brand new. But now he was dead, and the familiar burial work of the old world needed to be completed. They weren't certain they'd find, uh, they were certain that they'd find no signs of life among the tombs. They'd laid his cold dead body there themselves on Friday before the great stone was rolled across the opening sealing it before the Sabbath on Saturday when no work was allowed to be done. They wondered among themselves how would they ever manage to, to move that stone so they could enter the tomb and finish their work. But when they arrived they found it had already been rolled away. The lifeless body they expected to find inside, gone. The angels found waiting, they, they found waiting instead, asked them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but is risen. Christ has risen. Three simple words that forever changed their lives and ours. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Why are you looking for signs of life in a graveyard? He has risen. They said, remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. Go quickly and tell his disciples, ordered the angels. And they did. The women beat feet. They were confused. They were afraid. They are filled with questions. What did this mean? How could it be? You know, joy was mixed with fear. Jesus is alive. They trembled as they ran from the tomb. Now, Jesus died so that we might live so that we might know the life God wants for us beyond this life. According to his divine nature, Jesus could never have been killed, but there was a price to be paid for our sins, the sins that had condemned us, and so he stepped down from heaven and became one of us. He stepped into our world so that he could die in our place. That's what love does. It embraces suffering and death for the life of others. The next section from the book of Hebrews we read from says this, explains it really. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil, who had the power of death. Only this way could he deliver those who have lived all their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. 
By his dying for us, Christ rendered powerless the one who wielded the power of death, it says. In dying, Christ defeated the power of the devil to threaten us with death. He took away his ability to destroy lives and, uh, with his threat of death, and he did it willingly for us. No longer do people have to live in a dream world of denial and escape and distraction. No longer do they have to turn away when death stares them in the eye. And that reading goes on to say that it was necessary for Jesus to be in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful high priest before God. He could then offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Some Bibles read uh, so that he could make atonement for there or um, maybe uh, make reconciliation for or even uh, make propitiation for. But they all mean the same thing. They mean that God's demand for justice was satisfied. He loved us so much that he allowed his own son to absorb the punishment we deserve so that he could show us that he's just and faithful in dealing with sin and merciful in dealing with sinners. That's the gospel, word that means good news. That's the story of our salvation. Yes. <laughs> Jesus dying in our place made atonement for the sins of the whole world. He became the sacrifice that appeased God's anger. And then God showed us that, that it was true and complete by raising him from the dead on Easter morning. Hundreds of people saw Jesus alive after his resurrection. Hundreds. Today, by faith in Jesus, God will continue to forgive us. And so that wall we built with our sins, separating us from God, is continually torn down. In Jesus, there's now no condemnation. And that changed everything. And will change everything. By faith alone in Jesus' sacrifice for you. That's a pretty big gift. Which faith do you think that takes? A Billy Graham kind of faith? Do you have to have like a hundred Bible verses on the tip of your tongue? Do you have to study Greek and Hebrew so you can read the Bible in the original languages? You know, in a Kansas County cemetery, there's a grave marker that reads, Margaret Replogle Shore, 1921 to 1977. And just underneath the dates, it says, Thanks for stopping by. See you later. You can find the photo online. Just Margaret's sense of humor? Or maybe a final witness of Margaret's faith. The faith that she had that she really would see her loved ones again in heaven. Now, only God can see what's in a person's heart. Haven't you ever been so frustrated in life that you didn't know where to turn? If you're already a believer, you'd probably turn to God in prayer, asking for his help because he's promised to hear prayers like that, promises to be our strength in tough times, to actually walk through fires and floods with us. But what if you'd only heard about God from that one time your mother or your, your husband or your wife or boyfriend or girlfriend dragged you to church on that one Easter, this Easter maybe, or uh, maybe Christmas Eve, right? Or maybe that, that time a friend shared with you why their faith has made such a difference in their life. And those thoughts come back to you. And so you, you shoot up a prayer of desperation uh, in, in, in the general direction of, I don't know, up, right? With something like, God, if you're really there, if you're really listening to me, if you're really seeing my predicament, will you help me? Does God hear a prayer from someone like that? Sure he does. Prayer is just conversation with God, and that one even shows a seed of faith in God because it's addressed to God. 
Jesus was raised from the dead on Easter morning to show that his sacrifice for us, his suffering and death in our place, tore down the walls separating us from God. And even if you don't understand it yet, or have a clue how it all works, and nobody really does, I guess, that's what unconditional love does. God is for you, not against you. He wants everyone to know Jesus and be saved. And once a person comes to believe in Jesus and begins to grasp what his death and resurrection for them means, the devil is rendered powerless. Easter is all about God saying, see, my son is alive again. I have power even over death itself. And now for all who believe, Jesus' resurrection is your resurrection. His suffering and death has purchased your freedom from sin, death, and the devil. That's why Easter is such a big deal. It's our assurance of a life beyond this veil of tears, a life in heaven, a place where those who have already died in the faith are waiting even now to welcome us home. It means that death is no longer a threat or a thing to be feared because it's been reduced to simply being a way to get from here to there, a door, nothing more, a door our Lord Jesus has already passed through and then returned to show us there is indeed life on the other side. That's Easter. It's a day to rock the world with our songs of praise. A day to decorate the church with Easter lilies. A day for kids to hunt Easter eggs, the egg being a symbol of life and rebirth. And it's a day to shake the very foundations here with our shouts of, Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen <laughs> Amen. Now may that very special Easter peace of God that passes all human understanding. Keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.